I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Good afternoon, everyone. I'm constitutional attorney Catherine Henry. Today, we're going to be talking about a well-known topic, a hotly debated issue, but something that uh, we're going to take a little bit different uh, twist or focus on it, if you will, uh, and that's the topic of medical freedom. Uh, I My legal work is based mostly out of Michigan, and um, a lot of my career in freedom fighting uh, has been spent focusing on Michigan issues or issues that stem uh, or start in Michigan or perhaps national issues as how they focus in or impact Michiganders. Um, so I will be talking about a Michigan bill today, but uh, another big part of my life has been the state of Florida. I grew up down here and I am now living down here um, again. So um, I will have some, some links and some information for both Michigan and Florida as it pertains to some of the uh, information I want to provide to you today on this topic. So uh, with that being said, today I want to uh, start on some uh, very important words, words that I could not say any better myself. So um, if you want to turn with me uh, to Galatians, there are just a few pieces that all tie together that I wanted to bring our attention to today, uh, especially with some uh, relevance to this topic and to one uh, House uh, bill being proposed in Michigan that we'll discuss today. So uh, in Galatians chapter 6 in uh, verse 10, it tells us that as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Let us do good to all people. And chapter 5, verse 22, it tells us that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And in Galatians chapter 5, uh, starting in... Uh, the second portion of verse 13, it says, Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Um, I'm going to pause real quick and explain that my smirk is because um, as we speak, my daughter is actually sitting outside in the backyard, finishing up some Valentine's cards to our neighbors. And uh, she's actually been writing on them uh, to neighbor, love Emma. And um, I don't know, I guess it just struck me. 
uh, in reading this uh, one last time. Hadn't made that connection before, even as I was reading it while sitting across from her at that table just a short time ago today. So in all, what does this really mean? Well, there's a lot of meanings, but we're supposed to act in love. We're supposed to treat each other um, as though we're all, you know, equal children of God, especially uh, be kind and good to those who are fellow believers. Um, but I would think it's this exact spirit that goes to the heart of, should we treat one another differently because of a medical condition or because of a vaccination status or because of the color of one's skin or someone's sex? Uh, no, <laughs> no, we shouldn't. And, um, that is something that we're going to go into some detail today with the House bill we'll, we'll be discussing in today's video. Uh, so if you're just tuning in and you're wondering what uh, I was referring to, uh, please turn to Galatians. And uh, there's a portion uh, in chapter 6 and in chapter 5. And um, looking at how we are supposed to treat one another. So with that being said, um, why don't we look at some of the constitutional provisions that are relevant or um, involved in this topic? Quite frankly, when people have asked me, uh, well, throughout the last two years, uh, I've gotten thousands and thousands of requests of people saying, tell me where in the Constitution does it let me dot, dot, dot. And that's a problem because we don't have to look to the Constitution to show we have permission to do anything. Uh, hopefully, if I haven't taught you anything else, hopefully that is the one message that I've been able to provide to you that you have been in, uh, in turn able to share with others around you. But um, even though uh, we don't have to turn to the Constitution for that permission, I do want to highlight just a few quick areas where our medical freedom and it really, especially the area of being discriminated against on the basis of whether you have received uh, this jab. Um, so let's look at a few of those things. Again, this is a quick overview. This is not a full in-depth discussion. I have given some of those um, in many other videos, and I'm sure I will in many videos to come, but this is just a quick overview. Look at the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. And um, again, um, most state constitutions, but specifically um, Michigan and Florida, I have talked about these provisions before. So um, this week I did not provide all the specific uh correlating pieces or segments to either the Michigan or Florida state constitutions that say th these same principles. Um, both, though, the Michigan and Florida state constitutions, if you wanted to try to follow along in that respect, are in Article 1, the Declaration of Rights. So you can look at both the Declaration of Rights, you know, for both states, um, Article 1 there. So, um, in the U.S. Constitution, though, the First Amendment allows us to have the freedom to exercise our religion. And my religion um, 
does not want me to partake in um, anything to do with abortion or aborted fetal tissue or um, injecting any human DNA from um, males uh, into um, my body uh, to have any potential uh, gene mutations. Um, certainly not in purposely inject things that have a carcinogenic potential or that could uh, affect, especially for my children to, to have them have their uh, future fertility affected in some way. And um, as we saw looking at FDA.gov uh, on a uh, recent video that one of the big tech giants has pulled down, because apparently FDA.gov has a lot of medical misinformation on it. Um, that was sarcasm. The, um, <laughs> the uh, current injection, injections or jabs that are being mandated or highly recommended by various um, government agencies, departments, and officials uh, have not been studied for carcinogenic effects. They have not been studied for mutagenic potential, potential to change your DNA. They have not been studied uh, for their impacts to um, impair your fertility. That is written right in the manufacturer's inserts, section 13.1. So we went over that in detail. That video is still available, uh, I believe on Facebook, but also on Rumble. Uh, so if you haven't seen that, or if you did see it originally on YouTube and wanted to go back and look, um, you can find it on those other um, social media outlets. Like I mentioned, uh, I want to say that was maybe roughly um, our video, our weekly episode, maybe January 12th or 13th, something like that. Anyway, um, so my religious freedom does not allow me to, my, my practicing my religion, if I'm being sincere and honest in that belief, it does not allow me to have that kind of experimental gene mutation, gene therapy, um, you know, um, all of that um, being done. And so uh, in order for me to be able to be true to my religious freedom, my religious practices, uh, my faith, um, I can't go along with this jab, with this experimental gene therapy. So um, that is a direct First Amendment issue. Um, also, Fourth Amendment, we have the right, the people have the right to be secure in their persons against unreasonable searches or seizures. Um, in order to have, and it's not, and it doesn't just say it's in the criminal context. That is, um, in fact, I will reopen the constitution right now. So I am making sure to read it verbatim. The right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated. Doesn't say anything in there about this is only in certain criminal cases or in felonies or anything like that where people try to uh, say that that is inapplicable to something of this nature. No, it's not. We have the right to be uh, um, free from unreasonable searches, meaning um, searches of my person. It's, it's a right to privacy, and you better believe it. Um, those that are advocating the strongest for mandating 
not only uh, this jab, but for this ID card and disclosure of your medical status and all of that nature. Those are the people that have advocated uh, for the, you know, for quite some time as well on the other side of things, on the flip side to say, the Fourth Amendment gives you this huge right to privacy. And this right to privacy also extends to things like this supposed right to abortion and all these other topics, right? So uh, they're they're the strongest advocates in certain cases for this, this huge right to privacy in general and recognize that that is not just in some sort of criminal context um, in a case or anything like that. Um, nor does it say that... Um, it is only in case in cases where the government is trying to uh, perform that search or seizure, because the the text of the Constitution doesn't say that. Uh, no, in fact, it doesn't say that. It is saying that as against anybody, we each as individuals have the right to be free from unreasonable searches and seizures, and it is the government's job to secure those liberties um, against the government itself. Uh, harming us in that way, or against other individuals or private organizations uh, harming us in that way. So if somebody is trying to uh, obtain your medical information without your freely giving it to them, they're trying to obtain your um, vaccine status or demand some sort of vaccine passport or something of that nature, that it, exactly, it goes to the core of an unreasonable search. It is searching something that makes you unsecure in your person. It directly relates to what you have put into your body, into your person. That is 100% a Fourth Amendment violation. You also have, of course, the Fifth Amendment and Fourteenth Amendment uh, right against being deprived liberty without the due process, uh, life, liberty, or property without the due process of law. Um, but in this sense, I'm focusing on being deprived of your liberty, um, your liberty to transact common business, your liberty to engage and go into places of public accommodation, your liberty to um, go into um, government facilities or participate in government processes, that um, things of that nature. There's also an Eighth Amendment issue. Again, it does not say this only applies in certain criminal cases or, you know, anything of that nature. There's no limiting context uh, that's written into the language of the Constitution. So if you look at the Eighth Amendment to the U.S. Constitution, uh, you'll see that uh, Cruel and unusual punishment shall not be inflicted. Cruel and unusual punishment. So, for example, let's just say you are severely immunocompromised, and even the CDC has said you should not receive uh, this jab. Um, then you have a, a, a store or you have an employer or you have a, a just a place of public accommodation or a government facility, uh, anything like that, who then says, well, we're not going to provide you services or we'll have this separate but equal scenario where you have to order online like Costco tries saying you have to order online, even though online prices literally are always more than in store. You have to pay more. You have to do it separately but equal. Um, because of this um, 
situation because you won't or can't get that um, jab. That would be cruel and unusual punishment. You are literally being punished. It is cruel to keep you away from being able to get your normal uh, daily necessities as well as to be able to participate in normal daily government functions and services, uh, to be able to go where the average citizen, anybody else is able to go. You are going to be ostracized in public and isolated, identified, and have essentially then and your medical information broadcast uh, because perhaps you are the one person who is now told you have to wear um, a mask or you have to have, you know, some sort of other indication that you haven't received the jab um, or that you're just physically kept separate from coworkers or from other uh, consumers or something of that nature. That's cruel and unusual punishment. I don't care who you are. If you try to say that's not true, you don't know how to read or you're just lying to yourself because there's no other way to view that. You can't say things like, you know, separate but equal are not okay over here, but they are okay over here. You can't say that something like that, you know, you can apply, um, you know, cruel and unusual punishment in certain circumstances, but to literally change the very daily posture of how somebody goes through their lives with the types of goods and services that they need to just live their normal life um, and taking those away or limiting those severely, that's somehow not cruel and unusual punishment. Sounds like punishment to me. Um, the Ninth Amendment, of course, is the end all be all, right? It is saying God gave us our liberties. Uh, we didn't get our liberties from the Constitution or from the government. So you don't have to look to a specific portion of the Constitution in order to say, oh, there's that part that gives me the right to do this. No, you get to exercise all the liberties that God gave you. And it's the government's job to enforce and protect and defend those liberties, even if they are not identified, even if it's something like, oh, I don't know, breathing fresh air. You have the right to do that. God gave you the right to breathe fresh air and no one can take that away from you. And it is the government's job to protect that liberty that God gave you. That is what the Ninth Amendment to the U.S. Constitution says. And just because I have it off the top of my head, Article 1, Section 23 of the Michigan State Constitution. Um, the 14th Amendment also has um, two other provisions. I just kind of wanted to point out to you to see it from a slightly different way that um, we have the right. Uh, well, let me put it this way. The state cannot abridge the privileges of citizens of the United States. Well, when you have um, government sponsored, government recommended, uh, government pressured, um, anything of that nature, government initiated uh, restrictions in any kind of way, shape or form. And that is impacting the privileges of a citizen, even if in the end it is a private corporation or a place of public accommodation that might be um, implementing these procedures and this discrimination, um, it's still not okay under the 14th Amendment. They are not allowed to abridge the privileges of the citizens of the United States 
through, you know, vicariously through these businesses that they have uh, started and pushed upon and leaned on and saying, you will now enforce this. Even if later on they step away and say, oh, okay, well, now we're not actually requiring you to do that. But businesses, if you want to keep it up, you know, if you want to make sure you're not sued later on, um, which that causal connection in a lawsuit would be ridiculous anyway. But uh, beside the point, the government started it and the government is now responsible for that. And as such, it would violate the 14th Amendment to have those kind of mandates in place and discrimination um, because that does abridge the privileges of the citizens of the United States. Also in the 14th Amendment, no state may deny to any person equal protection of the laws. Interesting about this, protection of the laws. So often we think about the 14th Amendment Equal Protection Clause as being an equal application of laws that are restrictive in nature. In other words, that, um, you know, if we see that, you know, our neighbors are all, um, uh, I don't know, let's use a really benign example, right? Um, our neighbors, we all, everybody in this whole neighborhood has really long grass. And um, all of my neighbors have really long grass. In fact, their grass is often longer than my grass, but they never get any kind of citations. And then uh, here comes me, I'm getting citation after citation because my grass is not the appropriate length according to some city code, okay? I might bring a fourth, 14th Amendment challenge for equal protection of the laws because the laws are not being applied equally to myself and to all of those similarly situated uh, with everything else in context being the same. Now, again, that it's that would be um, a 14th Amendment type of challenge. However, that's more in the context of um, how a, a punishment, a, a crime, you know, um, a regulation or restriction is being applied to individuals. But actually what the language of the Constitution says is that no state may deny equal protection of the laws. That reemphasizes that Ninth Amendment concept, right? It's the government's job to protect our individual liberties. They can't deny to us equal protection of the laws. The laws of any given state are only supposed to be there to protect our God-given liberties. So if you have a state that is allowing, um, you know, certain, um, you know, things to take place that are discriminatory in nature, either through direct legislation or um, some other way that things are set up in that state, such as, uh, you know, private businesses, uh, places of public accommodation, which are not governmental entities by definition in the ADA, uh, but places of government, uh, or excuse me, of public accommodation that are discriminating against individuals based on their medical or vaccination status, uh, and the state is not stepping in to stop that, then the state is violating the 14th Amendment because they are not providing equal protection of the law to protect equally everyone's individual liberties. So um, with that being said, 
I wanted to point us to today's uh, specific bill, and then I'm actually going to give you those uh, resources, which are three generally main resources here, but they're broken down, I think, into five different links, and you'll see why in just a minute. In case you've already been, uh, you might have already been clicking through, but, through them and figuring that out, but um, let's see here. I'm going to go with a screen share. Okay, so um, I want to take you to House Bill 5710. That is the main bill that I want to talk about. House Bill 5710. This is in the Michigan legislature. So for those of you who live outside of the state of Michigan, I don't want you to tune this out because you have similar processes that happen and even the specific resources and links uh, that I'm providing here, you'll have similar resources and similar links in your legislature websites. And I want you to be able to walk through this process generally, uh, whether you live in Michigan or not. So this particular bill was introduced uh, less than two weeks ago, I believe, or two weeks ago today. Um, and it was introduced by State Representative Ryan Berman from District 39. It has three co-sponsors. Um, and what this bill does, it's not terribly long. What this bill does is it changes the um, Elliot Larson Civil Rights Act the Michigan Civil Rights Act, uh, to include medical condition and vaccine status. So if you can see my little screen share here, uh, this is just uh, the, the summary or categories that I've been highlighting. This isn't the language of the bill itself, but it's very clear. It's talking about the medical condition and vaccine status and including them as categories protected under the Elliot Larson Civil Rights Act. So, um, okay, I think what I'm going to do um, first is go through this bill, actually, before I go through the, the resources that I have for you. So you can, um, in the Michigan legislature, when you pull up a particular bill, this is what it gives you. If you do a bill search, um, which is um, often if you just go to Michigan legislature, it's the very first uh opportunity. You could click here, bills, you could type in 5710. You can even type in keywords if you forgot what the um, what the number is. And you can click uh, the document here. You can click to see if it has been passed by the House, what the language looks like in that format, and if it's been passed by the Senate, and if it's a House enrolled bill. Uh, an enrolled bill is the version passed in identical form by both houses of the legislature. So this is, you know, if it's continuing to go through the stages, the one on the bottom uh, is going to be the most recent thing that you would want to read to see how it has been, um, you know, what its status currently looks like. And you can look down here um, at the history. Uh, this one says that it was introduced two weeks ago today by Representative Ryan Berman. It was read for a first time. It was referred to the Committee on Judiciary, and it, the bill was electronically reproduced. 
Uh, that's basically all that has happened so far. It does tell us that House actions are in lowercase and Senate actions are in uppercase. So you can see that everything here is all in lowercase. So everything here happened in the House of Representatives in the state of Michigan. Not, nothing has been happening in the Senate as of this point. So if you click on this, though, it may or may not decide to cooperate. Okay. So this is taking us to the bill, and it is saying that this is a bill to amend um, these different statutes, and um, all laws in Michigan, according to the Michigan Constitution, have to start with saying the people of the state of Michigan enact. So you can see here that um, there are bolded provisions. Anything bold uh, is something that is being added to the law. So if you read that statement or that section uh, without the bolded part, that's the way the law reads currently. You can also see um, down here that there are times where there is a word that has the strike through. That means they that word currently appears in the law, but they are taking it out. And as you'll see here, there is a word that has a strike through and right next to it, a word that appears in bold. And that means they are taking out the word shall in this example and replacing it with the word does. Um, and so a lot of what Ryan was doing here was to maybe clean up the language. Uh, wasn't so much dealing with the, uh, the substance of the law in that respect, but um, is, is just dealing with maybe the linguistics and how to better lay out that um, those pieces of the law. But um, you will see that over and over again, uh, the words medical condition and vac vaccination status have been added to the law over and over again. And so um, my challenge to you, I'm going to jump right into the challenge of the week before I even give you the resources, is to go ahead and start with this law excuse me, to start with this bill, House Bill 5710, uh, and to read the entire thing. It says that it is 12 pages, but if you can see, it is huge print and it is double spaced. Uh, you get 27 lines basically per page. Uh, there's not a ton of reading here. There really isn't. And to read through and see what it is changing and what it is not changing. So, for example, there have been some recent bills proposed in the House and I believe also the Senate uh, that were going to change the number of days that the um, um, governor. No, excuse me. I think it was the. Uh, um. I can't remember which bill, uh, which laws it was now. I want to say one happened uh, in 2020 that was talking about the Emergency Management Act of 1976 that relates specifically to the governor's direct authority to issue those emergency declarations, but also that there was something that was going to amend the public health code, um, uh, MCL 333.2. Uh, to 253 and 2453 as it relates to uh, MDHS and um, the local health department's ability to issue their emergency uh, orders. Um, and so the, the proposed bills were to uh, reduce the number of days that those declarations or those orders could stay in place without some sort of other um, you know, legislative continuation. 
And in those, the reason why I bring those up is because the main issue that I had in those is that, well, the time period should have been zero, not, you know, reduce it to seven or 14 days. No, no, no. It should have been zero. Um, but then there are also a lot of other things that should have been taken out that uh, those governmental entities or officials were stripped of those unconstitutional powers uh, that they had been given uh, anyway. So anyway, look through this law. Excuse me, I keep saying law. Look through this bill as it pertains to a current law and read this bill. I know most of you are not attorneys. Most of you are not legislators. Most of you, uh, you know, get bored with this kind of thing, may even feel overwhelmed with reading these kinds of documents. But this is my challenge to you because we have a citizen legislature. So if you can't read this, what makes you think your legislator is actually reading this, let alone writing the ones that they are sponsoring? And let alone that they are reading completely the ones that they are voting on, which, by the way, in in one sense or another, is virtually everything. If it makes it out of committee or if they happen to be on uh, the committee for a particular bill, they are voting on virtually all legislation in that regard. And so they have to read it all. So if you think that reading this one bill is that difficult or challenging, what makes you so certain that your legislator, who most of our legislators in Michigan are not attorneys, quite frankly, most legislators across the United States are not attorneys. Um, what makes you think that they're able to, to read that? And by the way, I'm asking you to read this one. They are tasked with reading all of them. Now, do they? No. Why do they most, what is the, what are the most common excuses or reasons that we get for them not reading them? Well, I went along with what the leadership and my party told me it was doing. I just read the fiscal analysis on the bill. I, um, I just didn't have enough time. We had a lot of bills and, and we were given this right away and, you know, and the list goes on, right? Well, the buck's got to step somewhere, right? How about we start with you? Just read this one bill. Read it. Read it over and over and over again if you need to. There's times I have to read a bill over and over again just to figure out what they're trying to do there. But as long as this is, the 12 pages that this bill is, it's actually one of the least complex in terms of what it is actually changing. So this is a great way to get started on reading bills. Also, it is a good bill. So um, I will tell you, what is what is Catherine Henry's take on House Bill 5710? Is it needed, is it legally needed for this bill to be um, um, approved, for the, for the law to be changed in this way? No, I don't think it's legally needed. I don't think it's constitutionally needed. But is it practically needed? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Why is that? Because most government officials, most people in HR, most um, 
you know, people making marketing or management types of decisions in places of public accommodation, most government officials, most legislators, most attorneys, most judges don't really understand the Constitution. They certainly don't understand the Constitution as it applies to the concept of medical freedom, where all those pieces that I just talked about, the First Amendment, Fourth Amendment, Fifth Amendment, Eighth Amendment, Ninth Amendment, and Fourteenth Amendments, just of the U.S. Constitution alone, prohibit any of this crap from happening. They don't get it. And I think, quite frankly, I think a lot of people, um, it's not that they they get it and they're purposely trying to do evil. It's that they just don't get it. If for nothing else, they've been trained that this is just the way you do things. You can't go out there and be different. You can't try to ruffle feathers. You know, we have procedures and policies and rules and, you know, you have to do things this certain way. It's just always been done this way. Well, quite frankly, those who have advocated for the biggest change, who have been successful in those uh, roles of advocating, have been the ones that have been doing something different, that those are the people that have said throughout the years, this is not okay. And this, this medical discrimination, this intrusion into our, our physical being, our privacy, um, our, our medical decisions, our religious liberties, this is not okay, not okay. I don't care what party you belong to. I don't care if you're a doctor or a dentist or a lawyer or a judge or a preacher. I don't care who you are or where you come from. This is not okay. It's not okay for it to be done to you. And it's not okay for you to participate in doing it to somebody else. And if you don't understand that, please do listen to the beginning of this video, as well as the other videos where we talk about where do you get your rights from and what is the government even allowed to do? So with that being said, because of the practical necessity that is involved here, I think we need to throw a lot of support behind this bill. And mind you, this bill is being uh, introduced and is uh, chiefly sponsored by one of the three candidates for Michigan Attorney General. I forgot that I do have a comment section here. So give me a second to see. Um, oh, let's see. Okay, somebody is asking about a protected class. Um, Okay, so to the person who is on YouTube asking the question about doesn't the Elliot, uh, Elliot Larson uh, Civil Rights Act in Michigan only ap apply to a protected class? Well, that's why I want you to read this bill, because at the very beginning, it tells us that this is an act to define civil rights, to pro prohibit discriminatory practices, policies, and customs in the exercise of those rights, based upon religion, race, color, national origin, age, sex, height, weight, familial status, medical condition, vaccination status, 
or marital status. And then it continues and goes on from there. So this is creating two new uh, protected classes, if you will, based on um, based upon that it's not so much protected classes uh, because it's not saying certain religions are protected or certain races, certain colors, certain ages, certain whatever are protected. It is saying you cannot discriminate based on any of those uh, particular factors. So in that sense, um, everyone who is being discriminated against based on medical condition or vaccination status would be someone in the protected class. Um, okay. So, um, okay, good. I just wanted to double check. There weren't too many comments. Oh, oh, apparently it started me towards the end of the comments, not at the beginning. So I apologize. Um, let me look real quick. Um, Thank you, Dale, on Facebook for sharing and for your kind words. Um, <laughs> hi, Scott, uh, if you're still there, uh, the sunshine moved to Florida. Um, yes, <laughs> yes, it did. Um, oh, well, Elizabeth was commenting on what I said earlier in the um, episode talking about my my smirk or my smile because she thought it was the pro-vax people thinking that love your neighbor as yourself means you should get the vax. And uh, unfortunately, I've actually seen and heard a lot of people even like on commercials and things where that's what they're talking about. And it's, it's disturbing to say the least. Um, okay. So... Um, all right. I am just scrolling real quick to make sure that I did not um, miss any good questions or things that I can clear up. Just wanted to scroll real quick. I'm glad you found me too, Donna. Um Okay. All right. So I think I have been able to catch up on all the questions. If I missed your question, okay, is this for all or just a state? Michelle says on uh, on YouTube, uh, this particular law, excuse me, that, well, this particular law and uh, basically the bill 5710 that is amending the Elliott Wright's Civil Rights Act, um, that is in the state of Michigan. This bill in, and this law just applies uh, to Michigan, but other states have these types of laws. Um, virtually every state does. I just can't possibly do the research on 50 different states to find um, all of their appropriate um, synonymous laws and whatever bills might be proposed affecting those. Um, but I do encourage you to do that if you're not in the state of Michigan. Um, okay, let me see. 
Okay, so I think I was able to um, answer all those questions. Again, if I missed you, if I skipped over it, I do apologize. It is bringing in people from all different sources and the comments from each uh, into one place for me. So hopefully I was able to answer everybody's questions so far. Um, so my question, uh, my challenge for you really is to go through this because I believe in you. I believe that you can read the statute um, I can, I believe that you can read this bill as it's, um, attempting to amend this statute. And I believe that you have the cognitive ability to sort through that, even if it does take you a few tries to read it and let it all sink in. Um, but remember you're focusing in on the most important thing you could do. Maybe the first time you read it is focus in on what they're adding and what they're deleting. What are, what are they adding? That's going to be in bold. What they are deleting is in strike through uh, font. So, okay. So as far as the resources I have for you, um, I want you, if you read this and you think, oh my gosh, this is a fantastic bill. I really want to get behind this. Um, then I want to give you the resource of, I'm going to get back from this bill that you can click on the main sponsor of the bill right here. So I clicked this, his name is right there. Uh, it's Ryan Berman. It shows his, um, uh, um, his, I guess he has posts on here first, um, videos, uh, photos, audio, etc. He has a contact button and then he has a general contact information. You can send him snail mail. You can call his office. You can send him an email here. Uh, you can also reach out to um, his campaign if you think you have questions as it relates to his work on this bill as it applies to his race in running for Michigan Attorney General. you can, I didn't provide any of that here because I don't want to muddy the waters. Um, but obviously his work as a state rep, you can look to and see how it speaks to the kind of values that he's going to be serving and protecting if he were to win the race for Michigan's Attorney General. Um, okay, so um, my, my recommendation is then that you follow through and whether it's this bill or another bill that you come across that you like or dislike, uh, reach out to that state rep, reach out to them by phone, reach out to them by email. Don't think that your phone call and your email go, uh, totally unnoticed or unheard. Even if you don't get a response or even if you get a canned response, it matters. It really does matter. Uh, and in fact, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Uh, this man himself, not on this bill, but on other things that we were doing even as early as April of 2020, this man himself was a state rep back then. And he told me it was the work of the people, of we the people who were calling and emailing and going to the protests such as April 30th, 2020, standing on the steps of the Capitol and urging the legislature to do the right thing and to not extend that state of emergency again. All of those things, uh, he said, were what actually changed the course of history in the state of Michigan that day, that the legislature felt the pressure. Those legislators could hear loud and clear. They could hear through the phone calls and the emails and the text messages and the social media. They could hear it through literally through the walls um, as people showed up 
in the thousands at the state capitol that day. And boy, was it a cold and rainy day. But uh, we made it through, didn't we? Um, and no, it wasn't a super spreader event. Um, but anyway, uh, he himself told me that it is the voice of we the people that changed the course of what happened. And I appreciated that comment from him because it let me know that we were on the right track, that we were in fact doing what we needed to uh, do to have we the people start taking back control of our government. So um, so anyway, keep that in mind, uh, follow through on that. Now keep in mind too, that if you reach out to a state representative or if it's a bill, uh, a bill in the Senate, you reach out to that Senator, uh, they're going to want to know where you live and, and if you're in their um, district. So they're most likely going to ask. In fact, some people say, I'm not even going to respond if you don't say what, what your address is or what district you live in, because, you know, I, whatever. Um, so you might want to do that. Feel free to do that. Um, you might want to say, hey, you know what? I don't live in your district, but I really want to encourage you to keep this bill going because uh, this does a lot for the practical needs that we, the people, have in the state of Michigan to not have this discrimination based on medical condition or vaccination status. Uh, you might want to reach out to those co-sponsors and encourage them and say, thank you for jumping on board with this. We really appreciate that. We don't always agree on every issue, but this particular issue, we thank you for your support. And certainly if you don't see your own state rep up there, like, uh, well, where I was most recently from, Luke Meerman was my state rep. And before that, Thomas Albert is who beat me in the primary in 2016. Uh, so he had been my state rep for a little while. Um, neither one of them are listed on there as co-sponsoring. So if I were still living in their district, I would give them a call. I'd go to their, their coffee hours. Every single state rep has those in-person coffee hours, usually two days a week for a few hours. They, a lot of them, uh, will, you know, jump from one place to another, different stores or different coffee shops, uh, hosting different places throughout, uh, their district. Go to them in person and let your voice be heard. I will say, though, make sure you are doing what the word has told us to do and, and to speak that truth in love. Don't show up to those coffee hours or make that phone call to the office or, you know, write an email that is just full of filth, full of uh, vulgar language or of hatred. Um, it, it could be firm. It could be quite stern if it needs to be. Uh, but it also needs to show that, hey, even if you're someone who is opposing this bill, even if you're someone who is opposing my medical freedom, I'm not going to tell you that I hate you. I'm going to tell you your actions are ridiculous and that you need to do better because you do represent the people of the state of Michigan. And we, the people, are not okay with this. And your actions also have to comport with the requirements of the state and federal constitutions. In fact, you took an oath to do that. Keep it to the truth. Keep it to the facts. Don't attack them personally. Because any person, whether they're a politician or not, if they're feeling personally attacked, they're going to shut down. You want to make change. You want to affect change. So you need to do that in the best way possible. Um, it doesn't mean you can't be aggressive and you can't be firm. Those are definitely good qualities to have, especially in this day and age. Um, one of the other um, tools that I gave to you is the Mich Michigan Legislator uh, Legislators uh, webpage, where it's the link to be able to find all of the 
uh, state reps and all of the senators. I just noticed Tom Barrett's picture is not displaying for some weird reason. Um, but um, all of their their uh, contact information is here. This particular um, display is sorted by alphabetically by last name. So it doesn't quite make sense. It goes from House District 4 to 86 to 64, etc. Um, but anyway, you can find all of them, their contact information, any legislation that they are sponsoring. Uh, you can also um, do the click your, find your representative or find your senator. Those are very important things if you don't know who that is, especially as we roll into that new year and things are changing, your district number is changing. Uh, you're not going to know what's what, right? Because it could, your state rep could stay in place and win re-election essentially, but be um, the state rep for a totally different district number just because of the redistricting and, and how the lines have moved. Um, so um, also want to show you one of the other um, things here was uh, the, if you click on, if you're at just Google Michigan legislature and you're at the Michigan legislature website, um, off to the left here, you'll see committees. It is the one, two, three, fourth link, and it'll show you committees, uh, all the, all the committees in the house, all the committees in the Senate. It'll give you the little picture of, and the name of the person who is the chair of that particular committee. Uh, it'll, you'll be able to sign up for meeting notifications, um, et cetera. Um, so anyway, you'll see here that the Judiciary Committee is where Ryan Berman's bill was referred to, um, that we saw in that little section at the bottom right here where it says referred to Committee on Judiciary. If you click that, it will open up, um, must be that I have that open somewhere else, but anyway, it, it opens up to the Judiciary Committee and you can see, um, oh, looks like they had a committee meeting today at 9 a.m. Um, so anyway, make sure that you um, are, um, you know, checking this out, seeing uh, which people are on which committees uh, and getting that information that way. I also wanted to give you um, the Michigan. So I wanted to give you information on the contact information for your state rep. Uh, secondly, the contact information for your state senator, and thirdly, for the information on which uh, committees are in the legislature. So uh, we just went through each of those three for Michigan. I also threw in there those three for the state of Florida. Uh, I have one of those links for uh, listing all the state senators in the state of Florida. There are currently 40 senators that serve the people of Florida, and here is their um, information. It said, I love right here that it says the, the counties. Um, and um, which party it gives you um, just very easy information to understand. Um, and you can click over here. It gives you the, um, if you go to the Florida Senate main page, which is flsenate.gov, uh, one of the links I gave to you um, was also specifically for committees, but it's at the top there, that link for the committees, committee lists, committee publications. Um, it shows the standing committees, joint committees, um, there's all kinds of committees and information on there. Um, you can go to the other link I gave to you was for the um, uh, Florida uh, House of Representatives directory. That is actually just a, a PDF. I'm not sure why that's done as a PDF, but uh, this was updated last month. And uh, you could see the um, House leadership, House offices, and House committees. All that information is here. 
Um, so, <clears throat> excuse me. So I'm just scrolling through so you can kind of see what that document looks like. Um, it appears to be a searchable PDF, just the same as any other. And again, um, with the Florida um, information, you can see um, all kinds of information on their legislature website, but the House of Representatives side, there's the House directory, there's um, lobbyist disclosure information, um, all kinds. There's the Florida redistricting website, uh, find your own representative, all kinds of good information on here. So I would encourage you to familiarize yourself with that. Um, I'm just going to close some of this because we have quite a bit open. All right. So, um, I just want to make sure here that I got everything that I needed to, um, gave you the resources and we went, yep. Okay. So we did all of those today. Um, again, I just wanted to reemphasize that my challenge to you is to read Michigan House Bill 5710 from the current uh, legislature. Even if you're not in the state of Michigan, walking through that bill will give you some insight onto how the process works, what things to look for, what not to look for, uh, what not to expect, I should say. Um, and the clickable types of information you can find all on that website where you got the bill in the first place. So uh, real quick, I just want to make sure if um, there are any questions that are coming through. What is the next option after reaching out to your state rep who gaslights and dismisses your questions? Um, well, <laughs> that is a good question. But like I said before, keep in mind, even if you think you're getting no response or some bad responses, it is something that helps over time to do, and sometimes in a relatively short period of time, encourage all your family and friends to reach out. And above all else, what I can tell you is if you keep your information short and sweet to those state reps, if you have to make it longer, make it visually pleasing, make things bullet pointed or, you know, where there's um, bolded topics or sections so they can visually work through that. And it's not overwhelming because they're getting thousands of different types of communications uh, on a regular basis. So the most you can make that communication easy to understand, easy to read, easy to respond to, uh, even if it's on an opposing side of the issue, uh, the more likely you are going to get that response and going to get some sort of positive response, even if it is in disagreement about your request. So keep it short, keep it sweet, keep it straightforward. And what is it that you are asking them to do? Don't write them a storybook about something that's been happening. Tell them, listen, there's this bill. It does great things. Maybe you want to highlight one or two very brief things that you love about that bill. What are you asking them to do? Well, I'm asking you at this stage to jump on uh, the train, so to speak, to um, co-sponsor this bill, to really step behind it. Or later on, you know, you finally get a hold of them. Hey, you know what? I'm asking you to at least vote in favor of this bill. Maybe they're on the Judiciary Committee. I'm asking you on the as a member of the ju Judiciary Committee to... Um, to vote in favor of passing this on to the, the legislature as a whole, to uh, move this to the House floor, to have a vote on it. Um, I would really encourage you all to also reach out to that chair of the Judiciary Committee to make sure this bill 
will be given time and will be given appropriate attention very timely. Uh, they had a meeting today, so unfortunately it wouldn't be for the very next meeting that was held today. But um, make sure to contact his office to voice your concerns that that bill uh, be moving forward as quickly as possible um, to be able to actually go somewhere in the House. I realize that they may, might not think there's enough support in the House or maybe not in the Senate. Quite frankly, there should be with a conservative, supposed conservative majority in both, um, realizing that they would need a two-thirds majority to overcome any governor veto to that. But again, make the effort because we the people and our freedom is worth it. Don't just write off the effort before you've even done it because, well, the governor's not going to go along with it, yada, yada. Encourage that uh, committee chair. Encourage your own state rep. Certainly encourage these um, uh, sponsors of this bill. So uh, hopefully that answered you. Um, okay. Um Okay. It looks like I was able to get all those answered. Wanted to make sure to do that. We've already been on for an hour today, and I actually thought this was going to be a short one. So with that being said, please take that challenge seriously. Please take a look at those resources, and please do heed the words uh, that we have from um, the Word, uh, from the Bible uh, that I shared with you today, that we are not to discriminate against others. Uh, we are to be kind. We are to um, show the, the fruit of the spirit that love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control uh, in all that we do, but certainly in this fight for freedom. So thank you so much for tuning in. I do ask you to uh, share this uh, particular video and the videos in general with everyone that you know and anyone interested in fighting for their freedom. And if you do feel so inclined and you're able to financially support this work, I would greatly appreciate that. Every little bit helps because this is the work that I'm doing um, free of charge to help my fellow citizens be able to fight for freedom. And these pockets come out of pocket for, these expenses come out of pocket for me. Uh, if it's not for the generous generosity of people like you, that can chip in where you can. Um, so thank you so much for your support, everyone, and uh, have a wonderful week. I, I'm hoping to have a little bit of a surprise for you uh, later on today, but we'll see how that goes. Um, it involves uh, kind of a surprise on one of my family members as well as it relates to the Constitution. So we'll see how that goes. Have a wonderful day.